My name is Max McCauley. I am one of your hosts, your other host. His name is David Nash, and he joins me right now. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Max. It's uh, the 5th of July where I am, but uh, happy 4th of July to you and all of our American <laughs> listeners. Thank you. I think I'm sure we all appreciate that. Uh, I imagine it's probably just a pretty normal day for you over there, huh? Very normal. Very normal day here over here. It's still an exciting time, though, because we're right in the smack dab of a, a free agency. Yep, we may not get our big 4th of July announcement this year because everyone's basically done, but uh, there are there are a few left, which we'll get into much later, but um, it's it's been an interesting period so far for the NBA and, and for Suns fans. Yeah, I think I predicted that this one would go really slowly, but uh, I think that might have been really wrong. <laughs> it went really fast. What, one of the predictions we got wrong. We're about 50-50, I think. Okay, yeah, we'll get into that later. We'll talk about how well we did. But uh, today we're not going to talk so much about what we predicted, but more about what actually happened. We're going to react to what the Suns did, what we think the Suns might be planning. Uh, Then we're going to go into what some of the bigger teams did, the Golden States, the Lakers, the OKCs of the world. And I think we might do a little bit of random things we liked, things we didn't like, uh, things we were perplexed by, Uh, just some hodgepodge. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's some interesting stuff to talk about. We don't have to be uh, all Suns focused. No, this is this is an NBA podcast with a Suns focus, David. Exactly, exactly. But before we get into any of that, David's going to do what he always does. He's going to regale us with a story of Suns past in the Did You Know segment. Thanks, Max. Uh, a little bit of a different one this time, and uh, undoubtedly the biggest news for Suns fans so far this free agency period. Well official news, I should say, was probably the signing of Trevor Ariza, something we didn't uh, really see coming. A surprise nonetheless, though, but Max, did you know Phoenix becomes Ariza's seventh NBA team? Mm. Wow. And I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you name the first six? Uh, do I have to go in order? I, can th- I think I can make people name them. I'm not sure I can go in order. Bonus points for order, but uh, I'll just take the six. Okay. I know he was on the Lakers very early on. There's one. Um, he was on the Wizards at some point. There's two. He might have been on the Nuggets. No. No? Well, uh, <laughs> Knicks? Yep, he was drafted by the Knicks. Okay, Houston, obviously. Yep. Phoenix now. And I guess I'm missing one or two, right? You're missing the Orlando Magic and the New Orleans mm. Pelicans. Oh, those teams suck anyway. <laughs> um, so going back to where it began, as I said, Ariza was drafted uh, with the 43rd pick in the 2004 draft by the Knicks as a 6'8 small forward from UCLA. As we said, uh, he bounced around quite a bit early on in his career, but interestingly, this is the first time he signed as a free agent with any team other than the Rockets. Uh, in 2009, Ariza signed for five years with the Rockets for $33 million. 
And it was actually with the disabled player exception Houston was granted. Max, can you think which famous rocket might that have been for? Was it McGrady? It's the other one. Or Yao. Yao. Yeah. Yep. One of their injured stars. <laughs> yeah. So he was signed with the uh, the exception they got for Yao, which I thought was interesting. And then again in 2014, Ariza signed with Houston. This time for four years. It was technically a sign and trade with the Wizards. Uh, that's the contract that has come to an end uh, just now and, and gives Ariza uh, career earnings of $68 million. So here we are now in 2018, Max, and Ariza is a member of the Phoenix Suns. Typically, he's worn number one in the NBA, which we obviously know is uh, taken by a, a little special someone for the Suns. <laughs> uh, he's also worn number three, but that's Dudley at the moment, as we know. Uh, he wore number four in college, which, as we know, is Chandler. But he was when he was drafted with the Knicks, he actually started with number 21, which he hasn't worn since, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. As we know, 21's recently vacated by Alex Len. Doesn't have a great history with the team, to be honest. Before Len, it was uh, Hakeem Warwick. Yuck. And ironically, out of the 13 players who've worn it, seven of them have only played for the Suns for a single year, which obviously mm. Ariza has signed for a single year with the Suns. Probably the most famous of those was Richard Dumas. Hmm. Maybe Ariza will continue the tradition and go back to where it all started for him and wear 21 in the purple and orange. What do you think, Max? Well, I hope he doesn't pick up the coke habit that Dumas had. <laughs> let's let's uh, hope he stays away from that. <laughs> Although he's got, he does have plenty of money to spend. It'll be interesting uh, if he gets the 21 because uh, Aiton, obviously, 22, Bridges, 25, adding a lot of low 20s. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm throwing that one out there and seeing what we get on uh, you know official announcement day. I, I'm sure that's when they'll probably let us know. Right. But uh, if we get on to the actual on-court part of the signing uh, early in this episode, but I'll leave you with one final Ariza Suns tidbit for now. I was looking at his career, and it turns out he's actually played the most games in his NBA career against none other than the Phoenix Suns, 39 mm. games. It also means he's taken and made the most shots in his career against the Suns and played the most minutes against them too. Finally, Max, his career averages against the Suns are 13.4 points, 5.9 rebounds, 2.4 assists, and 1.8 steals, along with 1.7 three-pointers made. They're all higher than his actual career averages, hmm. and that kind of a stat line next year will be exactly what the Suns are after, I think. Yeah, apparently he kicks ass at talking, uh, talking Stick Resort Arena, so that's great. Exactly. So there we go. That's a little bit of a different one with the uh, Ariza signing this I week. I liked it. You kind of did the retro story on a current event. That's exactly. Cool. cool. Well, we'll get to Ariza in a second, but I think we wanted to start with what I would say is probably the big news right now, the Devin Booker extension talks. Yeah, we started with a, with a, the Ariza signing uh, on July 1, but quickly we had the... Uh, the Booker bombshell of him not being happy with uh, Tyler Eulis's <laughs> waving, and then a couple of nervous days before we finally got the, uh, you know, the better news of a, a, an imminent extension for Booker. Yep, uh, I actually I was listening to the Ryan Rosillo podcast earlier, and I thought he had the best way of putting the Eulis Booker thing. Mm -hmm. uh, he said it's. People, he thought it was first of all. He thought it was ridiculous that anybody got, got concerned about the extension talks. And what he compared it to was 
when a bride and a groom are about to get married in a week and they have a, a big fight over the caterer, like the kind of food he's going to make. They're not going to call off the wedding because of it, right? They just get a little mad at each other, but like obviously they're still going to get married. As someone who got married uh, a little earlier this year, and I know you uh, have plans to uh, very soon too, I, I can tell you that those fights are definitely go- going to happen. And uh, <laughs> at least in my experience, they don't stop the wedding from going ahead. So it is, it's a great uh, little example there. Yeah, I thought it was really good. And, and yeah, in terms of practical implications of all of that, the only thing I think it might possibly affect or, you know, a term here or there, maybe a player option at most, but... Booker's signing for the max. He's going to sign it Friday as soon as the moratorium ends. There's just there's really no concern here. There's no concern. As you said, I think uh, player options definitely in play. Uh, my prediction, which is maybe with a little bit of hope, is that uh, we get the full five years without the player option. But mm-hmm. um, just a, a little motivation for Booker this year will be that uh, it can be a 30% max if he happens to make one of the All-NBA teams. I think the Suns will... We'll throw him that bone in exchange for uh, for no options. Yeah, that'd be a really interesting thing. I mean, obviously, as Suns fans, we would all be over the moon if Booker plays well enough to be an All NBA player, right? That's that, that's the goal here. Exactly. It also wouldn't be the best thing ever for our cap situation. It wouldn't. No, it means about another thirty million for Booker, uh, from about you know one hundred and fifty eight to to almost one hundred and ninety million dollars over five years. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. I think the the main concern wouldn't be so much the money over time. It would be more how it affects summer 2019, which is obviously what they're targeting. Yes. What would the effect be there, if you know, off the top of your head? That's a very good question. Just give me a second to bring up my uh, cap sheet. You've been um, doing so many of these cap sheets, spreadsheets. You're working hard on this crap. Yeah, I'm trying my best, Max. It's uh, something that I, that I get into. But if we have a look at it, I believe on the standard extension that he's uh, going to get next year at the 25%, mm-hmm. uh, that's the 27.25 million. So that's the more likely scenario under the current cap. Mm-hmm. But if he did happen to jump up, it does jump all the way to 32.7. So you're looking at a difference there of, you know, $5 million plus. Okay. Um, just... That's pretty significant. It is very significant. I mean, the way I'm kind of offsetting it is if he happens to make an All-NBA team, then he's clearly made another jump and you'd be happy to have him on your team uh, as a member of, you know, one of the All-NBA teams. But oh, yeah. uh, it, it is, a you know, the fact that you can't, you know, mess around with that and kind of backload it or anything is, is a factor that, that, you know, you have to consider. Yep. Uh Totally agree. It's totally worth it. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I hope he doesn't make an NBA, all-NBA team, but uh, it is something to keep in mind. Yeah, if you can get him locked in at that uh, 160 instead of 190, uh, you know, you're going to take it every day. Yeah, Booker, be an MVP two years from now, not, a, not an all-NBA player next year. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't. That's a, that's a good point. It, it doesn't matter at all in any of the years after next year. It's, you know, next year is the, the one that matters. One more thing I want to say on the whole U.S. thing. I just... I think I think what what we're looking at what we're seeing now is it was it was overblown obviously but the fact that we all jumped on it kind of shows you just the way we feel about this front office the way they handle personnel yeah it would just be nice for them to stop having these things happen it really would like just just please stop having these kind of things happen yeah I think I saw you sum it up and a few other people sum it up in a similar way it's like in isolation uh, it was it was a a non-story almost. Um, but with the the history of Ryan McDonough, um, him recently bringing James Jones on in what we you know hasn't clearly been said, but we kind of all took as a 
a move in the direction of having someone to talk for you know the players side of things mm-hmm. um it it was a a concerning thing the things that have come out since it happened you know the report from Scott Bordeaux and a and a few other things that I've heard you know it was a little bit of a beat up the suns essentially tried to follow protocol which they probably should do in this scenario you can't have Tyler Eulis finding out after anybody else he's right, yeah. certainly the first person that needs to know they also share an agent which is a weird thing or well, not a weird thing but something that you can't really factor in um and you know it sounds like they couldn't get onto booker when they tried to tell him so yeah that's the story they're telling that they call they did call booker and he just he just didn't respond or whatever i don't know if that's true or not maybe that maybe that was true and booker didn't know that and that's why the report came out and they told him later i don't know anyway all i know is i don't think it's going to impact anything going forward I don't think it's going to impact anything going forward. And uh, the last thing I'll say on that is that is one thing that both of us predicted correctly in last episode, and that's that we both waived Tyler Ulis. We did, yeah. And we both said Booker was going to get that extension, which it looks like he's going to get. Anything else in the Booker extension? Uh, no. Other than, you know, we and we kind of touched on it already with the, um, you know, if he jumps the, the all-NBA 30% max. But, you know, we have lost about 18 mil in cap room for next year by signing the extension now. Mm-hmm. Um, all I'll say on that is that there's still plenty of cap room and there's still plenty of other ways that they can get more cap room. So uh, I don't think it is the end of the world that you know we don't have $40 million um, and Booker going into restricted free agency. I, I totally agree. It's the thing people... I think cap space is important, but it's also overrated in this way. If, if your team isn't good and no one wants to come, it does not matter if you have cap space. If your team is really good and people want to come, your team can make it happen. There's ways to make it happen. It's just it's a little overrated sometimes. I agree, and I think that's probably the, uh, the perfect segue into talking about the Trevor Ariza signing. Let's do it. Um, I was a little surprised to see the mixed reaction on this because I thought it was a grand slam, slam dunk, whatever, whatever word you want to use for it, A plus for me. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think my initial reaction maybe was, was on that side of uh, a little bit of caution, but that was more around Ariza probably not being my number one target to play the power forward position, which is what I think he's been brought in to do. Um, but, you know, we'll see more on that later. Um, but in terms of, you know, it, it's one thing that we both got wrong in our last episode, and I think that's purely based on the fact that we just didn't think there was any way in hell he takes a one-year deal with the Phoenix Suns. No, yeah, I uh, I called him overrated, and he was overrated in the context of a four-year, $60 million deal. Uh, I don't think he's nearly as overrated as the deal he got. No, I think it's it's a great deal, and as we kind of alluded to as we uh, you know merged into this discussion is the Suns want to be good next year. They you know There's varying degrees of that, and I think even you and I disagree a little bit on that, but this is a signing to give them a little bit of credibility kind of like the Philly signings last year where they've got another vet, um, you know, a great locker room guy by all reports. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I probably admittedly didn't realize how much he brought to that side of things. I took him as a little bit of a guy who early in his career only really played well in contract years and things like that. But the more I read about him, um, you know, there's that great Zach Lowe article from uh, earlier, I think this year. Everyone should read that which is a, a must-read for sure. I'll, I can tweet it out to anyone who uh, hasn't read it um, and and comes my way. But the takeaways in that article is that he is, you know, one of the, the big presences in that uh, Rockets locker room. And, uh, 
um, you, you you pay a premium for that when you're a team like the Phoenix Suns who desperately need it. So, yeah, I think he's matured into that as he's gotten older. I don't know if that was necessarily how he was early on, which is you know the most usually the case with players. It's hard to be a veteran leader when you're 20. Yeah, but exactly. people people keep saying uh, one of the pushbacks I've heard, and I'd say most people like this deal, but the, the people who are questioning it. They'll say things like, well, we already have Tyson Chandler and Jared Dudley. Aren't they the guys who were supposed to be the veteran locker room presences? And the answer, the answer I have to that is those guys aren't good. Uh, you, it matters so much more when you have someone who's actually good, who's setting an example by playing defense every single night. If, if you're looking at somebody like that, it's very hard for you, to, as say Devin Booker, to look at him you know, working his ass off on defense and, and then just like let your man blow by you constantly. It's just the, the example of having someone next to you playing in the, in the crunch time, playing well, that's just, it sets such a better standard than a locker room guy could possibly set. Exactly. And, you know, all I would kind of say in response to that is this signing is what Chandler and Dudley was supposed to be right, right, right. In, in year one. Um, you know, a few things happened there. Um, you know, Chandler probably wasn't quite what everybody expected. Um, and, you know, Dudley very quickly kind of stepped aside to put Chris into the starting power forward role. So he's, you know, the intention of what they were bringing him in for kind of changed, you know, almost immediately. So, you know, but you don't handcuff yourself just because they were supposed to be the guys just for while they're, they're on the roster for, you know, the remainder of their contracts. You don't say, oh, well, they were supposed to be the guys, so let's not sign anyone else. Um, you know, if that's not working... Uh, you bring somebody else in. And as you say, mm-hmm. someone who's going to play big minutes, going to push these guys in camp, um, going to play defense, going to expect everyone else around him to play defense. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a home run signing from, from that respect. And it's more of a home run signing if you're of the belief that the Suns, you know, want to keep cap room going forward mm-hmm. because, you know, maybe some people don't understand this. Maybe they do is... You have to pay probably three, four, five million dollars extra to get a guy in for one year because he doesn't get the guarantee or the security of multiple years. So, you know, look at the JJ Redick signing. He signed for twelve this off season. Me signed for twenty something last off season. That's you know, it's just kind of what you have to do to get a guy across the line for the first time. Now he's a little bit more comfortable. Philly are in a little bit more different position with their cap space. And, you know, they still made a way to uh, find a deal for, for this upcoming season. Yeah, and McDonough suggested that could happen with Ariza too. But the thing about this is it's such a low-risk signing because if, if, it, if it flames out entirely, it's a one-year thing. He's gone. Exactly. exactly. You might be able to trade at the trade deadline if it's not if your if your team's not very good, but he's playing well. You might be able to trade him for something. That's that's somebody that other teams will want. Um, yep. The only opportunity cost, and I've seen people make this point, the only opportunity cost really is just you can't sign a whole lot of other guys this summer, right? Because you pretty much spent your entire cap room this summer on Trevor Ariza. Yeah, and that's interesting. I, I would you know I would love to be a fly on the wall and know if that was the plan all along with the front office. Um, you know, there was a story, I think just yesterday, uh, from Brian Windhorse about Golden State being quite into Ariza, which is a, mm-hmm. you know, a funny little, uh, you know, sliding doors moment that we might get into later with the with the boogie stuff with the Warriors. But which, you know, yeah, we'll get into that. But 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 by the way, Trevor Ariza would have been oh, so good on the Warriors. Well, you know, I've got in my notes. It's it's a huge loss for Houston. What the Suns oh, yeah. have done here, and it, it's a 
you know, that's what Golden State would have been trying to do is take away from Houston, but also add add to their own team. They've they've kind of missed out on that. Um, you know, he may have even been a better asset for them than Boogie Cousins, I think. Which is one of the reasons that I am so confounded by, I don't want to pick on Nate Duncan because I already did on Twitter, but <laughs> analysts who, who are like saying this is a good signing for anyone else, but not for the Suns, like... There's how is it not a good signing for the Suns? It's a three and D wing who can compete at the highest levels of the game. It can show the can show the rest of the Suns how to compete in the highest levels of the game. How could it possibly be not a good signing? Exactly, it doesn't make sense. I'm not going to waste my time and and go through those people's timelines, but I can almost guarantee that they were the same people who have uh, you know made fun of the Suns for tanking and resting players um, <laughs> in the past. So. You know, this is a, it's a change for the Suns. It's a change of culture. They're trying mm-hmm. to fix things. They're trying to uh, make amends for their mistakes. If, you know, people keep wanting, you know, dragging them back to what they've done in, in previous seasons, then that's their prerogative. But I love it so much, too, because it accomplishes two goals. Mm-hmm. Not only does it make the team better now, which Booker obviously is demanding and which the front office wants and ownership's pressuring for, it yep. also maintains flexibility for the future. It, it checks both boxes. Exactly. And uh, he's, coincidentally or, or not coincidentally, is the exact same dimensions as Bridges, who they just brought in, who I'm sure everyone would love to see Bridges play 32 minutes a night next year or something, but that's that's not how the Suns are going to win basketball mm-hmm. games. Uh, Ariza should be the one playing the bulk of those minutes with Bridges learning off him. And, you know, there's not really a better guy for Bridges to learn off than Ariza. Yeah, Bridges actually uh, compared himself to Ariza, I think, on draft night, right? Exactly. So, you know, I think there's j- it just ticks so many different boxes. And the final thought that I have on it, just kind of going through that Zach Lowe article and a few other things is, you know, he seems to be a real open system kind of guy who, you know, maybe one of the... You know, I was very surprised that he was leaving the Rockets because I'm sure they would have offered him something worth staying. But, um, you know, maybe he didn't like the way the Rockets were going and where he kind of had, you know, just been asked to defend and, and sit in the corner and, you know, while Harden and Paul play iso ball. So, you know, he seems to be really open. There was a couple of stories, a couple of anecdotes from, um, you know, his past career with the Lakers and things on the, on the way that he likes to play. So, you know, I think he's going to have a lot of fun under Igor and, and really be a, a great tool for Igor to use in, in multiple ways. Yeah, so do I. And from what you've described to me as, as maybe the resident Suns Twitter expert on Igor's system, <laughs> it requires players who know how to play basketball. Like, you have to know how to play, and, and Reese is somebody like that. He's played on, as you mentioned earlier, seven different teams. He's played at the highest levels. He's been, I believe he's been in, he won a championship with LA, right? He won a, he won a championship, so he brings that same yep. championship pedigree that Igor brings. He's, he has so much of that kind of stuff that I, I think it's just invaluable for the Suns to bring someone like him in. Yeah, as I said, ticks so many different boxes. Sure, it could all go wrong somehow, but as you say, uh, then you've still got the options of trading him at the end near the trade deadline for something, and you still have the option of completely clearing him off the books next year. So, you know, there's not too much wrong um, to find with it, you know, other than I'm just not 100% sure if Ariza himself is going to want to be banging with power forwards uh, all season long. And that's probably my only concern. However, I just don't see that they do this deal without, you know, selling him on 
how they're going to play him and him asking those questions. So if they went ahead and did the deal, I'm going to take that as everybody's pretty comfortable with, um, you know, his role moving forward and, and they've got it all worked out. And I do think there's probably a better chance than Suns fans who are currently in honeymoon mode with Mikel Bridges uh, want, to, want to admit that Mikel's not totally ready right away, even though he's an older rookie and all that stuff. And, and a reason might have to close a lot of games at the three. Maybe maybe there's a better four yep. uh, than Mikael. So I mean, that's the thing about Ariza. I think that he's going to be able to fit with a, a multitude of lineups. Yep, I agree. And you know, it's all it's great to get excited about rookies. And we'll certainly uh, you know be leaning on Aiton pretty heavily next year. But yeah, um, yeah, I think the point on Bridges is is right. He he may struggle early on. We have to be prepared for that. And. Uh, again, you're giving me lots of good segues here, and that's probably a very good segue into talking about what the future holds for the Suns for the rest of uh, free agency and filling out the roster because uh, there's some question marks that I have around point guard and, and what we're going to roll with there. David and I uh, have a slight difference of opinion on the Suns point guard situation, I would say. Do you think that's fair? I think that's fair. Just to, to lay it out very quickly before we go in depth, I think... Uh, I would like the Suns to sign a point guard uh, and not roll into the season with Brandon Knight as the starting one and Okobo as the backup one, I suppose. And I believe, well, actually, I'll let you, I'll let you explain what your thoughts on that are. So, first, before I before I even start, let me say I'm not against signing a point guard. Obviously, if it's not you know, a multi-year deal for someone who doesn't deserve it. Like if, if mm-hmm. we get a one-year guy who's competent, I'm not going to be upset about that. It's probably a good thing. Yeah. But if we go into training camp with this as our roster, I'm comfortable. And the reason why that is, is there's a couple of things. So I, first I'll start with a nice point that I saw by Rod Argent on Twitter today, where he, where he told me one of the reasons why he's comfortable with Brandon Knight, if the Suns are comfortable with him, is that Igor is coaching him every single day right now in summer league practice. Mm-hmm. I think Igor's going to be much more aware. In fact, I know he's going to be much more aware of Brandon Knight's current capabilities than we are. Yep. So if they're comfortable with it, I'm more comfortable with it. Um, also, Shaq Harrison's a guy I really like. I think he'll probably make the team. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he can't shoot at all, but he plays great defense. I think he's a pretty decent fit next to Booker. You, you know, you'd like to see him improve the three-point shot, but when you're dealing with guys like him, you can't really have everything. Yep. Um, I think Okobo is... I think he's going to be competent-ish. He might be a slight negative, but he's not super young. He's not a teenager. He's 21 years old, right? So he's, he's been playing professional for a little while. I think he's going to be a little more ready to step into the NBA than maybe your Shea Gilders-Alexander to take a random 18-year-old point guard. Yep. Um, and then also, I, I think I'm more interested in watching Booker play point guard than you are. Um, not so much because I think he's going to be good at it this season. I think it's, he's probably better off-ball this season. But I think that if Booker's going to reach his pinnacle as a player, his you know his 95th percent outcome, it's going to come as a primary initiator or at least like a secondary initiator, somebody who's a high-level playmaker. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see him get more reps at that sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think my counter to that would be, you know, I would also give the caveat that you know if Brandon Knight is the starting point guard to start next season, I am not going to be uh, up in arms. Um, you know, tweeting my anger towards the franchise. All I would like is there to be a little bit more competition for that spot. I think you make a good point that if Igor is, you know, watching him in in summer league training and and is happy to roll with him, then sure, you know, I'm not going to doubt 
you know, the coach that I've professed my love for. But for me, what it is, is I don't want another disaster like the last couple of seasons where things go pear-shaped very quickly and we're kind of scrambling for options. I'd like to give Igor more options at the point. Um, I think it's very risky with a guy coming off an injury like Knight and, you know, the healthy history he had before that history, uh, before that injury, and then a Kobo, a rookie as as his backup. So you know, it is personal feelings, but it's also mixed in with kind of where I see the team going as well. I find it really hard to bounce off the Ariza discussion and and that kind of changing of the culture and the Suns really trying to win next year and then not believing that they will you know bring in a more solid option for Igor to work with at the point. So that's really where my opinion comes from. So let's let's go there. What options are you are you looking at? That where do you think would be a solid cuz I think the unrestricted free agent options are pretty poor, but there's some decent trade targets. There are some decent trade targets which hopefully wouldn't cost you too much and then still give you the flexibility that you're after say next season. Um, and, you, and you'd probably have bird rights on a lot of these guys as kind of backups as well. So you could kind of overpay with an asset for, you know, whether it's a Beverly or, you know, Corey Joseph and, and Darren Collison are both sitting in Indiana right now with, um, you know, Oladipo and, and Tyreek Evans just getting signed. So, you know, maybe you could pry one of those guys loose. Uh, and then there's like, you know, Jeremy Lin and, and Spencer Dinwiddie in Brooklyn, uh, who there's a bit of a log jam there as well. I'm probably still all in on Teodosic, if I'm honest. Um, I know Gambo has, you know, basically ruled that out with his tweet, but um, I'm kind of going on that that may have been a, a tampering backup uh, mm-hmm, that issue That was my there. theory. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, following that that theory as well as maybe thinking... Um, you know, that, that Gambo's cold streak can, can, can continue. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, what I will say there is that, you know, I think July 15 is his guarantee date. Um, the Clippers have uh, 16 guys contracted at the moment, um, and that doesn't count Montrez Harrell, who I'm pretty sure they'd like to bring back. So they're sitting at a point where they may, may need to waive one or two guys, and, and Milos is sitting there as, as the guy with, um, you know, the contract that makes sense to waive. You're not going to like this, but uh, I think I would rather start Brandon Knight than Teodosic. And that's where we differ, I suppose, and that's fine. But, you know, the, uh, I will the problem, say that... Can I, can I get in the problem with him real quick? My problem with Teodosic? Sure. First of all, if you're, if you're designing a system around him and relying on him, he's going to disappoint you because he's going to get hurt. Yep. Um, and then the other thing is, like, if he's not the worst defensive point guard in the NBA, he's up there. Uh, and we already have defensive issues with Booker. I'm just worried about people just blowing by that backcourt. And I know Brandon Knight's not like king of defense or anything, but at least he has like the potential to play defense and maybe in a smaller role next to Booker. And, you know, apparently his attitude has been adjusted to an extent. Maybe he yep. plays a little bit better defense. He's at least should be better than Tia Dosich, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's, I think there's solid points. I'm not, you know, I think my counter to that would be, you know, I'm not advocating for Tia Dosich to be, uh, you know, the starting point guard of the core going forward. It, it's, you know, by all means, a, a stopgap measure, just somebody mm-hmm. to run the offense, because I think what the Suns have really lacked in the past, particularly when injuries have hit, and this has really had an effect on Booker's game, which we don't want next year, is a secondary playmaking option next to him that's solid, not too erratic, can run the, the system, 
And, you know, I'm just not sold that Knight can do that. However, mm-hmm. I will say, if those guys go to training camp and Knight beats him out for the spot, I'm all for it. Because then right. Teodosic can back him up. He's not being paid a ridiculous amount of money to be a backup, and he would be a, a fine NBA backup. And then you're at the point where Okobo's only playing if he's really earned it as well. So, you know, that would be my final point on this, is I just want these guys to earn the minutes rather than them be given to them. And I, you know, I really have, you know, in my own projections, tried to uh, build out a roster that, you know, is quite deep with a lot of competition because that's the other thing that I think the Suns have lacked in the last few years is guys have just, and particularly the young guys, have been given... Yep. roles that they, they don't really deserve. So, you know, I'm just advocating for competition more than anything. If Knight becomes the the starting point guard out of that, then great, I'm over the moon because it means that they think he's the guy. I what just do you want... think about Shaq? Do you think the Suns are going to give him a fair shake? Because I feel like Shaq could maybe beat out Burnett Knight. I think he could. Um, I've got an interesting theory on Shaq just with the way his contract looks is um, I wouldn't be surprised if... Shaq gets the Mike James two-way contract of mm. last year. So I think if we waive him sometime in summer, he, he gets 50 grand um, outright, uh, $50,000. So that's kind of, you know, a, a, a thank you payment for, uh, right. you know, and then he can go on the two-way where if you play the full 45 days, you get um, you know another two hundred and fifty thousand, and then maybe they make a trade by then, free up a roster spot, and like Mike James, he gets the full contract. Hopefully, stays on the team, unlike James, who was you know almost mm-hmm. wa- waived immediately. But yeah, I kind of I'm looking at that second spot with Alec Peters in there and King already being guaranteed one two way spot, and uh, I'm just going to throw that out there as with this roster crunch, I could see that as being an, another way that McD uses the, uh, you know, kind of tricky two-way rules to, to the team's advantage. Yeah, I think that's a pretty nice prediction. I could really see that happening. And I think a lot of it might depend on what we see in about a week. Actually, less than a week. On Friday, they're going to start. Uh, Shaq's actually on the Summer League roster. So it's going to be really interesting to see the allocation of minutes between and also the performance of Shaq and Okoba. Yep. I think uh, they'll try and give both of them um, solid minutes to... Um, you know, see what they've got. Obviously, you're in an evaluation period with Shaq. You've you've kind of got to make these decisions. Uh, same with Davon Reed, who's had his uh his date pushed back. A, another prediction that we got right in our previous pod, and um, you know, it may come down to being one of those two left on the roster if uh, we do make a signing, or if uh, we want to bring um, Alan Williams back. Uh, pour pour some out for Alan Williams. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think they're. I think unless they can't do it, like if they get uh, the free agents they need to fill the roster spots, then they won't bring them back. But I think they're really going to bring them back if they don't. Yeah, I'm hopeful that they are. Um, I was a little bit worried, although I think I was just reading too much into it when the the Suns kind of put the thank you message out to him because mm. I felt that if they are, you know, we're just going to bring him back, they wouldn't have. Yeah, done but that. I think but, they have to do that because if they don't know, they're going to bring him back, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I think, as I said, I think I was reading a bit too much into that. But, um, yeah, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, if, as I said, if it was me, I would probably wave, read, move Shaq to a two-way, uh, and that allows you to bring one more free agent in with uh, the room that we have, as well as uh, bringing Source back on, you know, a little bit more than the minimum just to kind of pay mm-hmm. him uh, what he's worth, I suppose. Yeah, I think I can see that happening. 
Um, anything else you want to talk about on this front, or should we move to the big NBA stuff? No, I think I think that's really all there is to look out for for Suns free agency going forward. Is there's just only you know a few little tools to play with, and uh, outside of that, you're really looking at a, a stretching of Chandler or Dudley, which I think we can pretty much eliminate. Yeah, I don't. Now. That's, that's not going to happen because of what they did with the Reza. They're targeting 2019 free agency. The only thing you might see is a trade. That's the only exactly. Thing I see. Yeah, and that was my only other note was you know maybe they go against what we've kind of said here and and trade for a. Uh, you know, existing kind of above average to star point guard. However, you know, maybe what we're about to get into with some of these big teams that are all in the West, um, you know, if the Suns did have plans to do that, maybe that's kind of, uh, you know, made them wait another 12 months just to see how things shake out. Yeah, there's no rush. There are some Titans in the West. Um, and we're going to talk about, I would, my, in my argument, three of the top four teams in the West, probably. We'll see if you agree with that. Um, what do you want to start with? You want to start with Golden State? Yeah, let's let's start right at the top with the uh, defending champs. Okay, so the Warriors sent Twitter into a tizzy. Uh, was that yesterday? I can't remember. I think it was maybe two days ago. I can't remember. But they they signed Demarcus Cousins for the non or the taxpayer mid level exception, which is like five point yep. three million. Correct. And that caused like a sensation of people saying they're the NBA is over. It's stupid. It's you know, wrestling now, all sorts of hyperbole and ridiculousness. Here's the thing. It's it's a very nice signing. You don't often get people with that talent uh, at that price. He suffered the worst injury you can possibly suffer at the uh, around February last year when he tore his Achilles, especially for a big man. Yep. I think only Dominique Wilkins has ever recovered and played the same way after a torn Achilles. It just doesn't happen. It kills careers. Yep. Especially the year after the injury occurs. Like, there's a... There's a very good chance that DeMarcus Cousins doesn't contribute at all next year. And if he does contribute, it won't be until January or February. They're going to keep him out until then. So he's not going to be impacting uh, wins and losses before that at all. Mm-hmm. When he comes back, he's, I think he's a fine fit. I think he's going to fit into their, you know, their token center role better than any of their token centers because he can shoot. He can do some post-up stuff that they haven't had before. He can do a lot of interesting things. Yep. But when it comes down to it, in the Western Conference Finals, when they're playing Houston again or whoever, he's not going to be on the court at the end of the fourth quarter if Steve Kerr has a brain, because if you if you get him in a switch with James Harden, he's going to destroy him. If you try to play for traditional pick-and-roll defense with him, James Harden destroys that. He's not going to be able to be on the floor. Their best lineup is still going to be the death lineup. It's not going to impact the end of games. It's just it's sort of an overrated thing to me. Yeah, I, I totally agree on this one. Um and, you know, what I will say is because of the injury and, and when he's likely to come back, even though I think he's still saying training camp, um, he's kind of shooting for the stars a bit, but um, the Warriors don't have the regular se- or majority of the regular season to kind of figure this out and maybe change the way they play a little bit. So it's it's not really a plug-and-play type scenario when he does come back healthy. So it's a big risk for the Warriors. I think, you know, if a guy like Boogie calls you up and says, I want to sign with you, you kind of have to yeah, take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even though I'm not really buying that storyline that they're throwing out there. But anyway, um, it's a risk worth taking, but it is a risk nonetheless because, you know, that was their one, I guess, asset to to add something decent to the team, as yeah. we touched well, on. Well, and, and but, the point that I've seen made that's really good on Twitter, it's more about depriving the rest of the teams of him. Yeah, pretty much. I think, you know, the Warriors have definitely struggled with bigs, um, so mm-hmm. to take to take Boogie out of a Western Conference rival is is probably a smart move. Um, they'll use him in some interesting ways, I'm sure, but yeah, they just won't have that much time to integrate him. And as you said, when 
the going gets tough, they're going to go back to what they know best, and that's probably the death lineup, mm-hmm. um, or the goatee lineup, as I like to call it, which I think mm. is a far, far better name. I like that. Um, but, yeah, he's he's just not really going to be a factor when it matters, um, unless things drastically change or, or he comes back, you know, far sooner. So, yep. you know, the, the Warriors definitely got stronger. They, they kept Durant. They kept Looney on the minimum, which I thought was really yeah, surprising. Yeah, that was underrated. That was nice. Uh, and they've really only lost McGee. Um, I think McCaw's still out there. That's one to... But again, he didn't really play significant minutes for them last season. So, yeah, they're essentially rolling it back with... Uh, with the addition of Cousins, you know, mainly somewhere uh, around January or February, I think. Last thing I want to say about this, and then let's move on to the Lakers, which you're going to lead on, mm-hmm. is even if this works out gangbusters, DeMarcus comes back in January is ridiculous. Same DeMarcus, the Warriors win every single, they win every single game from January onward. They sweep the playoffs. Every single game, right? They don't have his bird rights. So... He's not going to sign for $5 million again. He's going to get big money. They literally, it doesn't, it's not a luxury tax thing. They just can't sign him for more than the exception again. So he's gone. Exactly. It's, it's actually, and I kind of touched on this, is it's actually more of a perfect signing for Boogie than it is for the Warriors. Totally. That, uh, there's no pressure on him to come back because the team will just keep rolling. Uh, he can come back, win some basketball games, look good get his paycheck after that it definitely won't be the Warriors unless we're all not seeing some crazy thing that they're going to do to keep him which I just don't think is going to be possible so no the only way they keep him is if he's really really horrible and is not and they just signs the same deal again because he's awful and didn't and didn't get to show himself exactly or if if they trade like yeah I don't know Clay Andre or something like that which that's not going to happen so they're just not going to keep him they're not going to keep him so and you know What's probably going to change is nothing because, you know, the Warriors are going to be the favorites again without Boogie going into next mm-hmm. season. So, yeah, not too much has changed, um, you know, but we all like to to complain every once in a while. It's, you know, it's human, fun. It was, it was fun to react to it and go, oh, my God, the Warriors got DeMarcus. But it's it's not what it appears, I guess, is the point. Yeah. Um, so you just mentioned the team that's favored to win the, the, the title. That is right now the Lakers because Lakers fans are stupid. Uh, why don't you tell us why they're stupid, David? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to call them stupid. They signed the best player in the game. Not, no, no, not the Lakers. Lakers fans are the ones betting on them, to be clear. Yeah, I mean, I think the market is obviously set expecting another move. I'm not sure if that move's coming anytime soon. Um, you know, if they did add someone like Kawhi, I guess the team becomes, you know, a little more dangerous. But as presently constructed, they signed the best player in the game and then surrounded him with some of the worst signings of the offseason, as far as I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he said he wanted cerebral players. They went out and got JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, uh, Rajon Rondo, who is a, a smart on-court guy, uh, brought back KCP as well and, and lost Julius Randle in the process. So, you know, not... I wouldn't say uh, LeBron's wish list that he would have handed over at the start of free, free agency to build around him, I don't, I don't think. But I wouldn't you know, think so either, but apparently he's approving of all these moves. Apparently he's approving, but apparently he also just doesn't care right now. That's kind right. of the the gist that I'm getting. Um, whether that's him wanting to build more into this being a, a lifestyle choice more than anything, um, rather than him kind of just joining another contender. He kind of, you know, I love LeBron and I, I don't like a lot of the hate that he gets, but I do like, I you know, I think he likes to control the narrative a little bit. 
And I think he probably likes the narrative that he's gone to the Lakers, um, you know, at the basement level and then kind of built them up. And if they win a championship in, say, year two or three, um, you know, he looks very good for it. So, um, yeah, I do think it's interesting that, you know, and we're going to touch on OKC after this. Everyone thought, you know, Russ was the guy that no other star would want to want to go play with. And, you know, it turns out that, you know, maybe it's LeBron. There's there's not too many, even the mid-level kind of free agents, no one kind of came out of the woodwork wanting to sign straight away when uh, LeBron went to the Lakers, which is pretty interesting. The word is he was having a very hard time when he was calling around pre-free agency to other stars and other good players, trying to convince people to come to Cleveland with him. Like, just no one wanted to come. Yeah. Um, and Paul George obviously chose OKC over him. Yeah, which was a, a surprising choice, which we'll get into. We'll get into it. It was a great choice, surprising choice, but great. Um, the one thing I'll, the one point I'll make on all the awful signings the Lakers made, like if, if these are your last signings you make at the end of July when you've made your other signings and they're on minimum deals, like fine. I still don't like them, but fine. Mm-hmm. They made these signings immediately. I, I think uh, KCP and JaVale were within an, an hour or two after LeBron signed. Yeah, and they gave um, Lance the uh, the full mid level as well. What are they doing? Is, Why? That's, yeah, that's crazy. Lance Stevenson's bad. He's not even good. It's not. It's not just his personality or his off court stuff, which are bad, but he's bad at basketball. The only thing that I could think of was that, you know, if they struck out in this free agency, they were obviously going to keep cap room for next free agency and kind of roll it back and go again. And the only thing that I could think is that. Basically, all these deals were already locked in pre-LeBron decision, and they just had to say yes to them. So KCP you know, definitely was. KCP definitely. You know, even Rondo, I think, you know, even though the Rondo move seems like one that you would make after uh, LeBron joins, it's like signing him for $9 million just doesn't make any sense. Well, did you hear? I sent you the Woj thing where Woj, specu- I don't know if he speculated or reported, I think more speculated the Lakers did this as a message to Lonzo because they're mad that Lonzo leaked that injury. Yeah, and again, that could have been pre-LeBron or or not. Um, and Lance, definitely, I think, you know, that one is probably the most confusing one with his history with LeBron. Uh, he's a ball-dominant guy. He's a, you know, a non-shooter, basically. And, and they gave him, you know, the full mid-level, which is just nuts. So that one, I think, is one that was probably teed up beforehand that they just, you know, couldn't, back away from um yeah. and have just gone with um the other the other thing that i will touch on from a Cavs perspective is you know did you see that story about them locking floor seats in for the next three seasons back in february <laughs> if I you mean, sign that it's your fault <laughs> it, it is your fault but can we just add that to the pile of like what a dick dan gilbert is oh he's he's awful He's awful. And I, I I, really think that if Dan Gilbert was like salt of the earth, great guy, everybody loved him, LeBron would probably still be in Cleveland. Yeah, I don't think they had a good relationship at all. I think they kind mm-hmm. of buried the hatchet before LeBron came back and signed, and then it kind of went all downhill again from there. Yep. Uh, the last thing I'll say, unless you want to make another point, is that it doesn't take a basketball genius to know that the best way to utilize LeBron is to surround him with shooters. They haven't done that. They've surrounded with non-shooters. Like if they if they ever play Rondo and Lonzo together behind him, like oh my god. Yeah, I think we'll end it on that and and say that as presently constructed, 
there's an argument that this roster's better than the Cavs one that he uh, worse, sorry, than the Cavs one that he just left. Yeah, I think it is. Kevin Love's clearly better than anybody. Exactly. I just want to make one more, one very last point because it's, people might think that we're being a little bit hypocritical. Sorry, hypocritical because we said that we love how the reason thing was one year because it's low risk, and these these are all one years. So why are we not okay with this? Yeah. The big reason for me is that you know all the Suns players are little, they're babies. They're all teenagers and twenty year olds. LeBron's going to be thirty four in December. Like you cannot waste a year of his prime right now. You just can't. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's important. And it's definitely watch this space because maybe they'll move, make a move and kind of flip it all at some point. But um, yeah, it's it's a little strange as, as presently constructed. So uh, let's end it there and, and jump into the thunder. Okay. Are you ready for this? This is my, this is probably my hottest sake of free agency. Go for it. I think that the Oklahoma City Thunder have given themselves a Maybe not not a huge chance, but a significant, worthwhile chance of winning an NBA championship either this year or next year. Wow. They have done exactly what they what I've been hoping they've been, they would do for a while now, and that is surround Russell Westbrook with an all defense, like powerhouse defensive team. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have a secondary star who's you know one part of that all super defense team. But also has you know some offensive capability. It can be the second guy in Paul George. It didn't work perfectly last year. Part of the reason why it's it's hard for stars to mesh together unless you have a perfect fit like the Golden State Warriors, where everyone can shoot. That that fits together perfectly. But yeah. remember, LeBron and Wade they didn't fit together perfectly right away. Like it takes a while to learn how to play with somebody if you guys over if you overlap a little bit. Exactly. Um, and also, I think a big reason why I'm saying this is the addition by subtraction they're going to get when they stretch Melo. Which I'll let you get into the cap implications, but. <laughs> They're going to stretch Carmelo Anthony because they're not going to be able to trade him because he has no trade clause and no one wants him anyway. Yep. But they're going to stretch him. And once they get him off the team and just every single player besides Russell Westbrook on that team is a plus defender. Besides maybe a Brinus, but he might not even play that much. Mm-hmm. They're going to be awesome. Like and People forget how good Andre Robertson is too. Andre Robertson was out for them uh, in the playoffs last year. He's going to be huge for them. Yeah, I was gonna say he's a he's almost like a, a free agent signing, really, isn't he? Yeah, he almost is, especially as long as you're, especially you're viewing it like compared to the playoffs last year. Yeah, and Nerlens Noel, he's not gonna play a ton, I don't think, but he's really good. And if he's he can get back to where he was for like 15 minute stretches when Adams isn't out there, he could be really really awesome for them. Yeah, I think he's a great he's a great great backup for Adams. I think they've really struggled. Obviously, there was the canter duo who was kind of playing backup minutes to Adams which gave him something completely different whereas kind of Noel can come in and you know do a lot of the same things probably not as well as Adams but they can kind of keep playing the same way which is I think something that the Thunder have really struggled with when they've gone to their bench unit or without Westbrook or Adams on the floor they kind of have to change the way they play entirely but now it's just going to be as you say kind of Russell Westbrook's team with with the right tools around him uh, a secondary star, as you say, and uh, uh, definitely no mellow because there's, you know, both financial and on-court reasons for, you know, why you would just stretch him. Um, I don't think he's going to give a cent back. I don't think he's going to um, take any kind of a buyout um, because he knows the the implications for the Thunder right now. And basically it's that, you know, every dollar that they spend, they're, they're actually paying about $6 in tax. Um, so the Felton signing yesterday that was for the minimum actually cost them you know, an exorbitant amount of money. Um, they basically, I'm not going to bore people with the numbers, but by simply stretching and, and waving Mallow, 
they save $95 million in tax this coming <laughs> season. So that's that's a business decision um, that also has some bonus uh, that you will find on court. Um, I think, but you know, without that business part of it, it might've been harder to justify. Like, why would you just let a guy like Mello go? Maybe you can turn it around, blah, blah, blah. But you know, when you add that kind of dollar figure, it's, uh, it's going to happen. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So yeah, absolutely. He's, he's gone. And I just want to justify my take that they can win. Not that they're going to win or that they even have a really good chance to win, but that they have a recognizable chance of winning a title. Yep. Here's, here's why. People are going to yell, obviously, first of all, Golden State. And that, that's, that's an obvious, that's a good point. But one of these years, either this year or next year, Golden State's going to suffer some adversity, some major adversity. It just it happens to every single team. Exactly. They're getting older. Someone's getting hurt. They're going to suffer fatigue. They're not going to win four titles in a row. I'd be shocked if they did. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I, I really like that uh, You know, the NBA as a whole isn't as kind of defeatist as what we see on, you know, maybe Twitter and things. You know, Houston went for it last year and got very, very close. Uh, And, you know, they're probably joined by OKC this year. The Lakers, if they can make some moves, you never discount a team with LeBron James on it, obviously. Yeah, and those are the other two teams, right, that people will throw in my face and say I'm crazy about. But Houston, Chris Paul is not a picture of health, and he's getting older and older. He's, yep. he's hard to keep him healthy. They lost Ariza, as we mentioned earlier. That They've kind of been weakened. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, as we've got into, they're not going to be good this year. Maybe they'll be really good next year. Unless they make a trade, they're not going to be good this year. And they might not be good yet. Who knows? LeBron's getting older. He could finally suffer an injury. Like, I think people tend to get too set in stone on what they think these teams are going to be. There's a lot more unpredictability. Yep. And I think the Thunder have at least given themselves an opportunity to possibly get into the finals. And then who knows? Maybe win one. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good point. They're going to be up there. Um, at, you know, a good point around the the Miami Heat example. You know, it takes a little while to get things going, and yeah, um, you know, I really I I don't love Russell Westbrook, but I really really love Paul George, and I want to see him succeed. And um, it was cool to see him make this decision. I think um, probably the the last thing I'll end on is you know with the decision, it kind of means. Uh, Westbrook, George, and, and Adams are being paid a, a ridiculous amount of money. So I'm just going to throw <laughs> a, a a really long-term prediction out here, which I may not be able to bring up again until, you know, pod number 88 or something. But, uh, you know, I think Adams will eventually be traded because they've just got too much money in those three guys now. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, he's going to be the odd man out, and it's too bad we just drafted a center. It's not too bad. I'm excited for Aiton, but Adams is one of my favorite players in the league, so I would have liked to have been a uh, one of the teams trading for him. Yeah. What else? What else have you loved from free agency so far? I think that I think my favorite signing of all of free agency, besides Ariza, just because I'm a homer, is Julius Randle to New Orleans. Yeah, I, they I got him good on a crazy discount. He, that sets up a perfect three-big rotation with Anthony Davis, Nikola Mirotic, and obviously him. Yeah, uh, he's he's a dynamo. He got so much better last year. He is almost unstoppable on offense when he's playing well. Yeah, he can switch on defense. I I think it's going to be just so good to have him, Anthony Davis playing center with those two, Randall and Mirotic, kind of doing opposite things, sort of, but both effectively around him. Yeah, and I think we saw him play with that kind of bit of a chip on his shoulder last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be even bigger this season. I think, you know, something we touched on with DeAndre Ayton, you know, kind of needs that extra motivation sometimes. And I think the Lakers, you know, essentially renouncing him and giving up on him 
um, you know, albeit for cap reasons, I think, you know, we're going to see a, a really motivated Julius Randle next to Anthony Davis next year. And um, yeah, I think that could be one to watch for sure. Uh, okay, your turn. What do you like? What do you not like? Um, what do I like? What do I like? Speaking of running it back, Utah are, are kind of have brought all their free agents back, Favors, Exum, and, and Raul Neto as well. Um, I like the stability of that. Again, kind of touching on what we have already with OKC and things. I think they were kind of building on something. They've got some internal improvement to go. So kind of them running it back and, and not shaking things up too much, I thought was uh, was an interesting um, move for them and, and one that I'm positive about. Uh, running it back that I don't love so much is probably the Spurs, who who brought Gay back, um, brought Marco Bellinelli back from his previous stint with the Spurs, which wasn't great from, from at least my memory. Um, and, you know, there's a huge question mark over Kawhi right now. So, you know, that team, particularly if they do let Kawhi go, just seems to be in a, a really weird flux. Yeah, to go to Utah first, uh, I was really happy to see that that second year of Favors contract, $18 million, uh, for two uh, over two years, um, yep. was non-guaranteed. That helped a lot. Um, the Exum thing, I believe in Exum. I think you do too. We're both pretty high on him. So it seemed like a lot of money, three years, 33, but I think he might live up to it. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of talent. He did himself some favors with those in that Rocket series, I think. Yeah, um, obviously, really event, eventually got injured again unfortunately but um <laughs> yeah that that's kind of been his big question mark but i think he he kind of just teased just enough to to say you know we should bring this guy back again and give him one more shot to to stay healthy yep one last thing i'll mention on them is they still have their mid-level exception so i think they might go out and get something with that so they could be even better yeah uh, and just to go to your spurs thing totally agree i don't know what the spurs are doing um They've been a model NBA franchise for so long that it's been weird to see them make head-scratching moves lately, like the Bellinelli move and then the Gasol extension I didn't really get. Yeah, probably the, stuff. the last two off-seasons, um, I would say they've they've kind of deviated yep. from their, their solid approach, I think. So, um, yeah, a little bit weird and, you know, nothing drastic or, you know, dramatic there, but I guess it, it's a little dramatic when you compare it to how they, they normally operate. Mm-hmm. And I'll just I'll, I just want to throw out two more names that I didn't like. Sure. I I don't understand why the Ursan Ilyasova deal to Milwaukee. I think it was like three years, twenty one, something like that. And then yeah, the I think. Doug, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think the third year has come out as non guaranteed, which makes it a little better. Um, it still but blows, yeah, but yeah, it's better. Th- that's that's one that we were wrong on in our prediction pod, but I I wouldn't Very. say wrong wrong as. Uh, from a, a correct move standpoint, we're just wrong in, in what actually happened in real life. We underestimated how dumb NBA teams can possibly be. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the other one is uh, Doug McDermott, who I like fine, but I think that the Pacers sort of jumped on him way too early. Agreed. And a- another one where we were a bit off with the with the contract that he got. Um, you know, not by too much. I think we gave him the room exception, but um, or offered it to him, but. Uh, yeah, I, I really like what Indiana has done. Like they lost Stevenson and, and GR three, um, but you know brought in Tyreek Evans and McDermott, who are who are great fits. Uh, probably I think as you're alluding to the the only question mark is the actual contract for McDermott. I'm not sure they needed to give that. Yeah, so is is are did it come out of any of the McDermott years are unguaranteed because he did a three year twenty two million. As far as I know, it's it's solid again. Yeah, see, I just think that's terrible. I, I just don't understand. Who are you bidding against is the kind of is the question I want to ask these teams. 
Like, exactly. Are there other teams trying to make that deal to, to Doug McDermott? Well, I think, you know, I've followed free agency for quite a few years now, and I think, you know, there's a pretty, uh, um, you know, interesting thing to see there that it was one of the first deals done. And, you know, whenever that happens, it's obviously the team is, you can probably tell, is a little panicked that somebody else is going to jump in uh, and, and offer him a deal. So they just kind of overpay. Mozgov. <laughs> not as bad as that, thankfully. No, nothing's as bad as that. <laughs> yeah. All right, do you have anything more, or do you want to move on to seven seconds or less? Uh, I don't love what Portland have done, um, mm-hmm. just to touch on them. I, I love the Seth Curry one, um, another one that we were a little bit off on uh, the other way. We kind of offered him a, a one-year deal at, at decent money to come to Phoenix, and you know he took really, really low money. Um, the market obviously wasn't there for him, or, or he just loved the the fit in Portland, I'm not too yeah, sure. but I was kind of stunned by that. Like, one thing I thought was, like, if you're going to sign for that, why not just go to Golden State and play with your brother for the yeah, minimum? Yeah, it, it seems weird. The Stauskas one was weird, particularly with, you know, what they paid him whilst renouncing Connaughton and Napier. Yeah. Just really, really odd. And they let Davis go as well, which I think has pissed off their franchise player, from what I can tell. It seems like it. Uh, and I'll just say, to rub salt into the wounds, it, it seems like they missed out on... Uh, a sign and trade with Boogie purely because Boogie and Nurkic share agents. And uh, for my, uh, you know, one one friend who is a Portland fan, uh, was very very unhappy with that story. So you know, not a great off season if you're a Portland fan. I don't think. No, not at all. And even even with all the stuff we said about Boogie earlier, how not as high on him as we are, like it's still worth the risk for a team like that, especially. Yeah, um, I'll just. To finish off, I'll throw some names that that are still out there, and uh, just you know, straight off the top of your head, let me know where you think they're going to sign. So, okay, uh, Isaiah Thomas, Orlando. That's a perfect fit for him. I tweeted this the other day. Like, that's the only team I could see him going to that makes any sense, and it makes a lot of sense to me because they need initiation, they need somebody to score, and they have the perfect front court with Bamba and Isaac behind him. So I, I love it. Yep, Jabari Parker. Oh God, I guess. Chicago, maybe, but oh man, it's not fun to be him right now. Levine? Chicago also, but also not fun to be him right now. Marcus Smart? Boston. I think they're going to come to something that's going to be a really nice value, like a four year 40 or a four year, you know, 46, something like that. Yep, and I think uh, probably a similar story with uh, Clint Capella. He is going to re sign in Houston. I think he might. It seems like he doesn't have a market. I, he might get screwed and have to sign for something a little under what he wants. I'm I'm a bit sad for Capella. I think I think uh, you know I tweeted his his uh, sad face emoji was seemed to be around the time that uh, LeBron made his decision and there was mm-hmm. a meeting with the Lakers and uh, I, I got a feeling that maybe he was going to get a max or close to max offer from the Lakers, which uh, would have forced Houston into a scenario to match and. Um, you know, now he's going to have to go back with the tail between his legs and, and sign for, you know, something that I'm sure Houston are going to love, but uh, is probably not his true value, unfortunately. If I'm, if I'm Capella's agent, I, I don't know who Capella's agent is. I don't know other players he represents. I don't know if he has a lot of leverage, but I would go to Atlanta and be like, Atlanta, please give him a max offer sheet, please. And in the future, I will give you whatever. I'll help you out with free agent meetings, whatever. Just please give Capella a max offer sheet. It's basically his only option right now. That or the Bulls, I think. But, you know, as yep. we've said, the Bulls are probably going to go more of a, 
you know, maybe Jabari and, and re-signing Levine. Well, so. the problem with the polls, too, is they just drafted Wendell Carter and Laurie Markin in back-to-back years. Uh, Very true. If, 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 by chance, Houston doesn't match, which they will, but just in case they didn't, they'd be screwed. Which Whereas Atlanta, if that happened, they would just have Clint Capella on their team. Yep. Uh, okay, anything else, or should we move on? I think we can move on, Max. All right, we're going to do seven seconds or less. This is the segment where one of us asks the other questions that the other has to answer within seven seconds, and for which he hasn't prepared for these questions. David has no idea what I'm going to ask him because it's my turn to ask him questions today. You ready, David? I am ready as I'll ever be. Okay, this is going to be Summer League theme because, as we mentioned earlier, Summer League starting Friday. I am going. I cannot wait. I wish you could come. I'm, I'm very jealous, so there seems to be more and more of Sun's Twitter all going and, and probably hooking up in Vegas, so that definitely uh, makes me jealous. But yeah, we've uh, it all starts you know probably a couple of days after you're listening to this podcast, so uh, I'm not sure what questions you're going to ask me, so let's, let's dive in. Let's do it. And one more thing I'll say is that, just a preview, we're probably going to be doing some podcasts on uh, the Summer League, maybe with some guests, so... Yeah, that'll be... That'll be our fo- that'll be our focus for the for the next couple of weeks. Uh, with you in Vegas, we'll hopefully have another one in about a week's time uh, after you've come back and recovered. It's going to be a recovery process. Okay, question number one: The Suns' first three games are scheduled. The rest of them aren't because that's going to be a playing tournaments, right? So, the first three games are Friday against the Dallas Mavericks. Dennis Smith Jr. possibly Luka Doncic. He's not ruled out yet. Mm-hmm. Saturday against Marvin Bagley and Darren Fox. Mm-hmm. Monday against Orlando with Jonathan Isaac and Mohamed Bamba. Which of those games are you most excited for? I would say Orlando um, because mm. I'm probably most excited for Aiton to see how he goes. Um, and Bamba's probably the biggest test. Um, yeah, you know, I've... Bamba in the in the pre-draft process kept quoting over and over the fact that he had been 4-0 against DeAndre Aiton in pre-college play. Well, there you go. Um, I think, you know, Bagley Aiton's kind of fun, but I think they'll both kind of dodge each other a little bit with how the mm-hmm. kind of the teams match up. And um, but you know, there's there's it's pretty much you know one on one when it comes to Aiton and and Bumba. So you know, I'm really excited for that. And I also loved Mo Bumba. So I'm you know in the draft. So I'm kind of really interested to just see those two go at each other. We're already way over seven seconds, so I'm going to ask you a follow up. Would go. your would your answer change if Luka Doncic were playing? Yes. I mean, ever we got to see that, right? <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question number two. Which player on the Suns Summer League roster, other than DeAndre Ayton, are you most excited to watch? Interesting. Uh, I'm going to have to go with my boy Bender. Ooh, interesting. Explain. Uh, well, I've only got seven seconds, Max. But... No, I'm giving you an example. <laughs> uh, I mean, everyone's seen it. Anyone who follows me has seen it. I really like that he's playing. Obviously, Marquise Chris is not, for whatever reason, we don't know. I think um, it's because he uh, has played so many NBA minutes, but go on. Yeah, but Eagles coaching, uh, I think it's a really good chance to play Bender and Aiton together, see how they work together. I'm not ruling out that Bender could somehow start at power forward if everything goes right for him. Um, so yeah, I'm just really inter- interested to see that, that whole dynamic. He certainly should start at power forward for the Suns in summer league, which they're going to run out one of the most fun starting lineups ever. Like Okobo, Reed, Jackson, Bender, and Aiton. I mean, come on. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to choose from there, but I'll, I'll stick with my boy. Okay. All right. Final question. Suns players aside, 
Which player are you most excited to watch play in summer league? Also, I'll exclude Bamba and Doncic. So we already talked about them. Interesting. Um, probably a guy that's already actually played, um, but will be there in Vegas as well. JJJ. Mm. Um, he's you know done some pretty flashy things so far. It is only a small sample size. I'm not overreacting. Um, but you know, with all 30 teams in Vegas for the first time this year, so yeah, he'll also be there in Vegas. And uh, yeah, I just. I loved him as a prospect as well, so excited to take in as much of him as I can. Eight for 13 from three in his debut as an NBA player, including threes off movement and from Stephen Curry distance. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm hoping that the Suns and Memphis somehow match up in the uh, Summer League tournament because that would be really fun. That would be fun. It's always interesting to see how the bracket shakes out after those initial games. It is. Okay, I think that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. As always, it very much helps us out. Uh, David, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Max, and uh, good luck in Vegas. Thank you so much. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be tough. Uh, one more thing I'll say. I'm MaxMCC11 on Twitter. He is the four-point play on Twitter in case you don't follow us already. Thanks, guys.